3: what's up Nets fans welcome to Brooklyn Buzz I'm your host Nick Faye with me as always Jack Manuel and this episode is brought to you by Tucket. but Jack how are we doing after a nice Nets?
2: Oh, Kyrie is making me happy the return of Kyrie
3: Irving in man he looked crispy I mean right from the start things were just looking smooth for that Nets offense before we dive in quick reminder you can find us on iTunes Google Play Spotify otgbasketball.com netsrepublic.com and Blue Wire Pods but let's start with Kyrie Jack what did you like about it right from the get-go
2: It just seemed to me that, you know, a lot of players coming back from some sort of injury experience rust and, you know, miss a shot here or there or aren't in the flow of the game. They don't have the necessary reps. Uh, But Kyrie Irving was anything but, you know, 10 of 11 from the field. You know, 21 points. He was just a walking bucket. And yes, I think that this was almost like the the best sort of leading game you could you could have. I'm, no disrespect to the Atlanta Hawks, but in their current iteration without their best player in Trey Young, you know, Kyrie Owen was just able to do absolutely anything and everything that he wanted. You know, he looked for his teammates as well. I just thought that it was, you know, the perfect game back and uh, you couldn't ask for anything more essentially. And also the fact that there was a blowout as well allowed him to sort of limit those minutes to only 19 or 20 so it just worked out perfectly for the Nets.
3: Yeah, and I just love the way he looked. And like you mentioned, guys usually come back a little rusty, especially when you're dealing with a shoulder injury. But he knocked down almost every single shot. Like you mentioned, he missed one shot, finished with 21 points. That pull-up three looked beautiful. I also like some of his reads early on in the offense, hitting Jared Allen, getting him set up early, and just you know playing his part and not trying to do too much. It just felt like, obviously, it was the Hawks, like you said. But he felt very cohesive with the rest of the team.
2: Yeah, and there was just times on and off the court. And obviously post-game, he just felt, you know, really grateful. And, you know, he wants to go for Vince Carter's, you know, uh, top points uh, in in the Nets history. You know, it just seemed to me that Kyrie Irving, the the presence of a superstar just transforms any team. And tonight, that was the case for the Brooklyn Nets.
3: Yeah, and it was. And I think Kenny Atkinson mentioned it, you know, again, in the last game against the Heat. It provided the team with some energy. And tonight, they just kind of had that spark. Also, Garrett Temple, Wilson Chandler back. Not huge pieces, but nice to see those guys in the back in the rotation too.
2: I put out on Twitter, Nick, when you have good players playing basketball and bad players are not, then you become a better team. Wilson Chandler and Garen Temple as rotation pieces just makes your team better rather than having, you know, Janna Musa and Theo Pinson who almost got choked to death by Spencer Dinwiddie <laughs> on the bench, which was one of the cooler moments and then just like, and Kyrie Irving just doing the little sleep motion. Check out that video, that's a lot of fun. I'll probably have it in the Nets Republic uh, recap if you haven't seen it yet, but it was just a. It just seemed a very cohesive night, Nick. The the Nets never trailed. Thirty seven points in the first. They led by as much as thirty nine, I believe. Yeah. yeah, got some junk time minutes for for some of the guys as well. It was just a, a pretty nice Sunday for you. Monday morning for me uh, to be watching this Nets team and it allowed you to divert your time elsewhere as well. Yes.
3: Uh- Many of you probably know I'm a Green Bay Packer fan, and they just came off a nice playoff win heading to the NFC Championship game, but that's for another podcast or another website. The Nets just really dominate, like you said, Jack, super hot take. You know, you have good players, you play actually good. But um, (laughs) uh, I just love to see the rotations and then the the, the units. I think, like, we actually are going to have an idea of, like, okay, this is going to be the second unit. This is going to be the first unit. I think the lineups will change a little bit after tonight. But I just think Kenny's going to have a lot of opportunities, and he's going to be able to kind of play the lineups that he wants and the style of basketball he wants is because he has quality players.
2: And I was sort of noting that a little bit, Nick. I was taking just a few notes down during the game. And it's just like, all right, I'm seeing what's happening. Which rotations, which lineups with Kyrie are working the best? And, you know, I think some people would say that, you know, Spencer did when he wasn't the most seamless fit. I mean, it's a one-game performance, you know, and Kyrie O'Slevert seemed to have a bit more of a, a sort of synergy. But that is because, you know, at the start of the season, they were playing a lot together. You know, Spencer Dimitri is probably going to cook second units I like him sort of leading that but you know I did like the experimenting as well Spencer Dimity can hit some threes uh, I, I think that you know overall you know Karis Averda is an okay three point shooter as well both of them weren't great one of four for Spencer one of five for Karras. Uh, but Karis you know did get in the passing lanes as well a little bit today so his defense is certainly improving so you know it, it was just a, a good day overall and I like the sort of different looks and you know I was a little bit worried early on that we wouldn't see Rodion courts because we didn't see him coming with the second unit but then you know, uh, we saw him come in uh, just a little bit after that. And then he got some nice little junk time. And, Nick, I'm going to – and I know you put this out there as well. Uh, you've been impressed with his passing. I'm just impressed with his decision-making. And I think that I'm going to have to delve deep into just his assist numbers and the assist that he is making because he just – is reading the game better. And he has spoken to reporters as well. And we can have a little bit of chat about that. But burden's just playing confident and, and seamless uh, and, and good basketball.
3: Five assists tonight. I think last game I think we said he had four assists or maybe it was the game before that but it's also he's uh, me- messing with the variety of passes he's throwing like last year we'd see a couple shuffle passes to Jared Allen or the easy passes but tonight we saw a couple passes out to the perimeter for three ball shooters i like what i'm seeing from Rodie and you mentioned decision making he just looks a lot more confident and he knows what he's going to do with the ball instead of what we saw the first couple games of the season where he didn't know what he wanted to do or his mind was doing something or his body was doing se- something different than his mind
2: yeah. And he did speak and I read a couple of different articles about it, the fact that, you know, he really relished the time in Long Island and, you know, the instructions he was given to just play free basketball, make mistakes, do what you want. And, you know, he brought that sort of mentality and, you know, he's, not overthinking things we can see that now he's just making he's playing instinctive basketball and when you're playing this game that's what the best players do you know you just trust the instincts that you have and you know he also did say that you know the the court case has been the domestic charges have been weighing on him a little bit I believe it's February when that will be you know a, another sort of uh, he'll I believe will be heading back to court but at this stage you know it's not necessarily weighing on him and, and analyzing just purely what he's doing on the court he just seems confident and you know he's taken the three ball the three ball looks nice didn't take one today but it didn't necessarily account for him and those passes that you're talking about Nick one thing that I'm really impressed with him is when he is driving the basketball you know he's driving on his own accord he's willing to make the passes and make the kickouts and he did that once and on. I was really impressed with to Garrett Temple that I don't think we would have seen him from him last season I think that he would be a lot more erratic and I think that comes from just from better NBA now experience. And, you know, decision-making is is so important. And, I mean, we had a lot of turnovers today. Obviously, it doesn't necessarily matter. But, you know, Rodion's only had one himself and he was out there for 23 minutes, you know, one of the higher uh, minutes allocations for the night. Yeah,
3: and I think last year was essentially like if Rodi was driving... It was either going to be like a layup or he was going to get blocked or fouled at the rim. There was no kind of pass or there wasn't really anything. He was I don't want to say he was out of control, but I mean, he was just a straight line drive and he had tunnel vision. Like he wasn't going to hit anything. So you can see the development. And like Rody is really a nice plus for this team. He just adds a different type of role player, especially with his youth and athleticism and the toughness we've seen from him. Also love that dunk we saw from him in garbage time.
2: Yeah, it looked like he hurt himself a little bit, you know, when he was walking back up. He definitely the court. got fouled, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, he definitely did. But, you know, Brody, Brody's going to do what Brody's going to do. And, you know, it's just really it's really nice to see him, you know, playing with confidence, playing with the, the freedom that we know. You know, he played with a lot last year, just instinctual basketball. It, it was really nice to see. And, you know, it's nice to have a little bit of wing depth now, you know, because, you know, and a, and a differentiation in that wing depth. You know, Toyin Prince is a lethal three-point shooter. He really got back to that part, uh, that part of his game tonight. Wilson Chandler is a really strong sort of vet who makes the right plays, And Rodon's obviously gives you this intangible energy when he's out there on the court. So now wing depth might not be amazing right now. Obviously, we do have probably one of the best ones who ever suit up uh, waiting in the wings. But right <laughs> now, it's good to have, you know, a couple of different uh, guys that you can chuck out there and just give you a different sort of look.
3: Especially when you have guys like Kyrie, Karris, and Spencer to make life easier for them offensively. Also, I didn't mind Torian Prince tonight. I think you kind of mentioned it going against this Atlanta Hawks team without Trey Young, and no disrespect to them. It's more of like a G League team with the amount of youth they have and the lack of veteran players and the lack of good players. But it was nice for him to play you know, a good role, and it seemed like he benefited from the return of Kyrie.
2: Yeah, I think he plays incredibly well with Kyrie. I, mean, I think most players do because we've spoken about ad nauseum, especially on the last episode, where we were sort of talking about his return. The fact that he just draws so much gravity and, and Prince just looked confident. You know, he took that confidence from the last game, you know, against Miami where we got that win. He made some really key plays despite the fact that three, the three ball wasn't falling. He was four or six from the area tonight and five rebounds, two dimes as well. I think that we're, we're starting to see with well, the inconsistencies, with and Prince are always going to be there, but at at the end of the day, he still is, you know, finding his way within the system. And, you know, obviously that and now you have just an extra talent on the floor. I think it makes it a little bit easier for Torian Prince as well. Similarly with, with Garrett Temple. But I believe it was Yes Network or, or one of the broadcasters putting out the fact that he's been shooting around 53% over the past three games. You know, his three ball is always going to be there. And yes, it's been streaky of late. But I'm still confident in it because mechanically it is incredibly sound. And I mean, he was our best three-point shooter tonight. He was the only guy who hit more than one of them. And he was four of six from from three. And then the team overall was pretty good. But we didn't necessarily need to be flamed from there. 38.5% from the perimeter overall.
3: Yeah, I thought, you know, we didn't need it tonight and obviously 38%, I take that pretty much most nights because I think considering the way they've shot since Kyrie's been out, we'd like to see that increase. But we've kind of talked about in the last show, Kyrie's going to lead to more open looks. I mean, I felt like Wilson Chandler had four wide open looks. He only hit one of them, but there's going to be games where they hit three of four, they hit two of five, and they're just numbers are going to even pick up more because you could see the offense and the potential it had with all these shooters and all these playmakers and the two bigs too.
2: We've been incredibly frustrated about the the offensive stagnation, the the lack of synergy, the lack of cohesion, Nick. But now when you have your three best offensive players playing, obviously, you know, again, we don't count him because he hasn't even suited up yet. But when you have your three best healthy players out there, you know, that can create their own shot and then open up looks for other people because all three of those guys are fantastic drivers, fantastic penetrators. You know, Corey Irving has the ball on a string. It's just... If you are not it's a... It's cool, It's incredibly fun. And I, and I was sort of just harking back, like I was watching it with my dad today, and I'm like, he's literally the most fun person I've ever watched live. I mean, I've seen, you know, Paul George, I've seen Anthony Davis, but in terms of just as a fun viewing experience, you can watch, there, there aren't many guys that can entertain you as much as Kyrie Irving. You know, he's worth the price of admission by himself.
3: Yeah, I mean, I watched him drop 50 on opening night, and I won't forget that forever, you yeah. know? So, I and, like, I was watching the game, and then my fiancé's walking by, and she's like, oh, I guess Kyrie's playing really well, because she could hear me with, it, like, the excitement of just, like, the highlight plays you see from him and just the spark he provides for the team. It's just something they really missed. missed. And then also, I think, you know, to a lesser extent, having Kyrie Subvert who didn't have a great game tonight, but getting him in the mix, too, is just, like, there's so many more options offensively, which makes the team so dangerous. Ever seen OnTuck button down? They look bad. Why? Because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's OnTucket, the original button down shirt actually designed to be worn on Tuck. No matter your size or shape, OnTucket shirts always fit at the perfect OnTuck length. With more than 50 fit combinations, OnTucket shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. Myself included, being 6'3, it's extremely difficult to find shirts that fit right. OnTucket makes it easy. They also have a ton of styles to choose from wrinkle-free button-downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. With Untucket shirts, you'll never look baggy, too long, or too big again. And their website's easy to use. They even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untucket is the way to go. Visit ontucket.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's ontucket.com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. We didn't really get a good defensive test because even if the Nets played bad defense, this Hawks team might not even score 100 points tonight because of the talent they had out there.
2: Yeah, I mean, John Collins can't necessarily create his own shot. He relies on others creating it for him. And, you know, I do like Cam Reddish as a prospect. I've always been a little bit higher on him than a lot of others. But, yeah, you can certainly take advantage of it. I like that Karis LeVert had three steals tonight. One question about Kyrie Irving before we keep going with this one, Nick. Were you surprised at how well he actually did play?
3: I was I was very surprised. I was very surprised. And you killed me for because I thought he was going to play less minutes. I think if this was a close game, he might have played 25 or 30 minutes like he looked that good out there. And conditioning wise, he looked fine. There really didn't s- seem to be much of an issue. Sometimes, though, you come back, you're kind of riding on adrenaline because you missed 26 games. You're just super hyped. So that could have played a factor. But overall, I, I was really impressed.
2: Yeah. And he was aggressive. You know, he wasn't just taking jumpers and you know the jumper did look fine and he said that you now he's had trouble you know lifting his arm and getting into a shooting motion you know he hit the three the three looked nice you know he was hitting mid-ranges off the glass you know he was finishing with the right and the left hand you know he was driving he was penetrating he was making really good decisions and bounce passes and he also told reporters you know after the game that he expects to play the back-to-backs you know Utah and Philly so he, he's certainly feeling fine by himself I personally think that's a decision he's making in the moment right right now who knows how he's going to pull up tomorrow you know the, obviously the cortisone uh, injection has had you know has been worked wonders uh, it's almost like you know mj's you know special special water uh that he <laughs> used in space gem to an extent but you know i'm i'm always you know let's just chill a little bit I hope, as long as kyrie irving is healthy when it really matters it's lovely to see him back now and it provides the team and just everyone in the nba world uh, a massive boost because we love to see the stars out there but you know this was you couldn't ask for more
3: And it provides the NBA with another good team. Like Kyrie is the factor. Even with Karras back, I think they're a pretty good team. But having Kyrie back, all of a sudden they're a good team. And they're a team that essentially could beat anyone on any night because they have three guys that could drop 30 on your head. And Kyrie can drop 50
2: if he wants to. Yeah and like we got incredibly close against Utah last time. I know Utah yep. were on a, we were both on a back to back Utah we heading back home uh, and they weren't at their best but you know with Kyrie Irving when you have a superstar on your roster that can drop a 50 a 50 piece on ya you, you know and have guys that can back him up and Quality role players and just you know good depth when we're healthy as well. You know any team is going to be really competitive with those you know uh, skills and cattle uh, at their backing. So for me, I'm confident. You know going forward, you know I'm I have higher expectations now with this team as well. So if we do see lapses on the offensive end and we do see ball stagnation, Kyrie trying to do too much, Spencer or Karras trying to do too much and not looking for their teammates because we spoke about early in the season. You know there were times where it's just like, well, why isn't Prince getting as many looks in the perimeter. Why isn't Joe Harris getting many looks in the perimeter? Uh, Jared Allen is setting good screens. Why isn't Kyrie using them? Why isn't Kairos using them? So I think that this, obviously this gives you plenty of confidence, uh, but I you, you don't read... Uh, that much into this performance against the Atlanta Hawks who, you know, with this current roster and what they put out there is the worst team in the NBA. No, again, no offense intended, but if you don't have Trey Young on the roster, they were already the worst team in the NBA and you take away your best player, you were only going to get infinitely worse.
3: I mean, between scoring and assisting, Trey Young, you know, probably accounts for almost 50 to 60 points for the Hawks on a daily basis. So not yep. having him and he creates his usage rate is probably if not the highest top 5 in the league. So they're definitely, you know, a really bad team without him. But Again, I think this is perfect for the Nets who are just trying to get pieces back together, get that cohesion up. And like you mentioned, Jack, I think we can be a little harder on the team. Obviously, chemistry still needs to come together. Rotations still have to be settled. But overall, I think this is something that can use as a building block. The one thing we can, I guess, criticize for this game, but I think a lot of it was due to the scoring and the deficit that the Hawks had. I mean, the Nets were giving the Hawks was turnovers. 24 turnovers is still too many.
2: Yeah, it's a ridiculous amount. But at the same time, at the half, you, you liked how the ball is moving. So, you know, I don't necessarily, you know, I am as big or as, as critical on, on the turnover numbers if you're not getting punished on the other end. And the Atlanta Hawks aren't going to really punish you on the other end, like a, a Toronto Raptors or a Miami Heat, all uh, those sort of quality teams that can get out in transition, or Philadelphia for that matter, when you have good transition players, good, good players in the fast break, whereas Atlanta just don't. And I would rather, you know, you try to get get the team involved, get that ball moving, find the best looks. And there were just times tonight where that ball was just looking really, really good. You know, Spencer did when he had eight assists. Uh, tonight. And he was continuing to show really good synergy with DeAndre Jordan, the pick and roll. You know, I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, if Spencer is, you know, not necessarily relegated, but he's put back to his role with the second unit, him and DeAndre Jordan will be able to have a field day with a lot of uh, sort of guys in their pick and roll because they have really good chemistry now. And, you know, it, it invigorates, you know, uh, DeAndre Jordan a little bit to get those lobs going. You can sort of see that he he looks a little more spry on both ends of the floor when he's getting those looks.
3: And I think also he has a little bit better chemistry with Spencer than he does with Karras. I don't know if it's obviously Karras and him haven't spent as much time together, but it seems like DeAndre does better with the oops than he does with some of the wraparound passes and some of the bounce passes, because I think there was probably two occasions tonight where Karras hit him where he probably could have had a dunk. He either bobbled the ball and it was a turnover, or he had to pass it out to a
2: teammate. Yeah, and Jared Allen is is quite good with those as well. Yeah. So, I mean, in in we'll have to we'll see what happens in terms of the lineups or whatever. But we probably expect, I would expect, I think the the best lineups look with Karras as alongside Kyrie Irving again. Small sample size, and I'm judging this also before tonight's performance as well. And I think Karras does look a little bit better defensively as well than he has in the past. So I I would think that. Come the, the juicy point of the season, Spencer would probably be in that that second unit, but also closing games because he's, you know, our second, third best player. So just because the person's coming off the bench, you look at Lou Williams, you look at Montrezl Harrell, these guys are still incredibly important to their teams. It's just you, you happen to be coming off the, the pine rather than starting and getting that, you know, the numbers and, and, and advertised as one of the starters.
3: Yeah, I think the only thing that really matters is the minute count. And obviously, he's still going to get his minutes off the bench. And him and DeAndre could be, you know, dominant, um, dynamic. And then also, you could look at having a guy like Garrett Temple who spent a lot of time with Spencer Duman in that starting lineup with Kyrie Irving out. I also think it's still going to be important for Kenny to stagger Torian Prince and Joe Harris because you still want one of your best three-point shooters out there. It's not going to matter against some of these bad teams like the Hawks, but against a team like, you know, Utah or a team like that's going to throw out a good bench, you want to have that spacing and, and run your offense the same way with your first and second unit.
2: Yeah, I've been really happy with Garrett Temple now in terms of the fact that the load has been lessened for him. He's just been just way more effective in his role in terms of he's not being yeah, he's not taking 10, 11 three-pointers because, you know, he's playing with the starters and we don't have Karis Averd and, and Kyrie. Those shots, those shots aren't available for him anymore. And that's not a bad thing because he's more effective. You know, eight points, four rebounds, couple of assists. He looks best as like a secondary playmaker out on the floor. He can hit a three. His mechanics are good. He's a good defender. He's a really smart defender. And he's a decent rebounder for his size, too. So he's just perfect, and he's the perfect sort of Mr. Fix-It guy. You know, he can plug him in and, and start in starting capacity, depending on what you want out there. You know, I think he just gives the team a little bit of flexibility if there's like a guy getting really, really hot like a Luka Doncic or a, or a James Harden. You know, you throw Garrett Temple out there along with Karis LeVert and maybe a Rodion Kurutz or whatever. You, know, you throw different looks at him and, and you've got a couple of decent defenders to, to make things uncomfortable. And, you know, that, that we're coming up against some teams. Like, you know, I think Garrett Temple will match up kind of nicely against a Donovan Mitchell for certain portions of the game. I, I think that this is just going to allow him to to hone his skills and be a little bit more effective on both ends.
3: Now I think Kenny has tools. He has tools with his bench and with his lineups and with his roster where he can adjust. He hasn't been able to really adjust over the last two months because, you know, he's been limited. He's really only had, you know, 10 playable bodies and some may say only eight playable bodies. Now there's options. There's good NBA players in this team. There's a little bit more pressure on him to get the best lineups out there. It's going to take a little bit of time, but I'm really excited for what they can do moving forward and going to the next game. I think this is going to give him a big boost and we'll have a nice test against Utah.
2: Yeah, it's this is really when the the tests come against those really, you know, high end teams, and and you know, the Utah are probably the form team of the NBA right now. And, you know, the fact that Kai is going to be suiting up, you know, he's not going to be taking any load management. I just hope that he's healthy and he's not pushing through anything, you know, I'd much rather him take a game off. It, it's it's interesting because, you know, you wouldn't hear necessarily Carol Savert speaking to reporters and automatically saying, yeah, I'm going to be suiting up. Uh, I think that when you are a superstar, you have that gravity where you can almost make the decision for yourself. You understand your body. And Carol Savert is obviously, you know, still working his way up there. He's, you know, a top 50, top 60 player in the NBA uh, when he's fit and healthy, but Kai Having just another sort of uh, in a different league, in a different tier. So, um, are you surprised that he's already mentioned that, Nick?
3: I'm a little surprised he mentioned it, but I think naturally, as like a superstar athlete, somebody who's missed 26 games and really, like he said in this post game, he just really missed a game of basketball, he's going to say that. Do I think it's a lock that he plays both games? No, I don't think so. I think he'll definitely play in the next game against Utah, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Nets are like, hey, your shoulder maybe didn't react amazing. We want to keep you back for recovery for one game. He might try to fight it and might end up playing, but I wouldn't be surprised if the performance team and the medical team was like, you know, Kyrie, let's just play it safe. You know, three games in four days is a lot.
2: And we saw, you know, early in the season when he did injure his shoulder that he did play through the pain and it certainly didn't uh, work out nicely. So, I mean, the Nets are cautious. Kyrie Irving's probably not cautious because he's just obsessed with basketball and wants to be out there. So, you it'll be interesting to see how that dyna- dynamic works out. Nick, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about Mr. Vince Carter, probably Mr. Brooklyn Nets himself almost. You know, he, he got some, had some great moments tonight for, for the Atlanta Hawks and he got plenty of ovations and, you know, he responded to reporters after the game when he was asked if he would like to see his number retired by the net someday. And he said, when you look up in the rafters here and you see the group of people that's up there, if I one day get the opportunity or that honor, I'm okay with going up there.
3: 100%. I mean, I already had season tickets during the time Vince Carter was a net. I saw the man play a lot of basketball. And there was a period, especially when Richard Jefferson was injured and it was just Jason Kidd and Vince Carter, Vince was playing like one of the best scorers in the entire league. There's no reason his jersey shouldn't be retired. And I mean... In my eyes, this is the best in-game dunker. I know he wasn't the same athlete when he came to the Nets, but I'd argue his best in-game dunk was the one he had in Alonzo morning. That was just straight-up disgusting.
2: Yeah, he is just – he's an all-timer. And the fact that he's you know one of the only guys – in fact, I think he is the only guy to play across four decades. Before the game, you know, saying hi to Mr. Whammy via, you know, Doug and on his sort of Twitter page and via NetsRepublic.com. It's just – it's – this is what you love to see, you know. The Nets fans are some of the best, if not the best, in in all of sports. And to honor, you know, uh, Vince Carter with the with the retired jersey, I think it's, it's it's almost a guarantee. And if it isn't, then Joe Sy, you know, just give a Nets fan a couple of calls because uh, I think that all of us, and I know that I'm I am have not haven't been as a long-standing a fan as as plenty of other Brooklyn Nets fans, but I can still respect and I know the history of this organization and how important Vince Carter has been for the New Jersey and Brooklyn Nets.
3: Yeah, I mean, Vince, the, to be honest, let's be honest here. The Nets haven't had a ton of amazing players in their history. If you have one like Vince Carter, who's going to be a Hall of Famer. You want to make sure you retire his jersey and treat him with respect, especially when you have two possible guys in your roster that may get their jersey retired for the Nets one day.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Vince Carter, all respect to him, you know. Can't, the, the NBA's. I'm, I'm really... One thing that sucks about, you know, the NBA in general and, and sports in general is when you know, father time kicks in and, you know, we lose the superstars to, to age and, you know, players get injured, it sucks. But Nick, were there any other takeaways, you know, that you wanted to ask me about, or did you want to ch- chat about the upcoming, you know, really tough sort of mini span, the three net games and four nights? What did you want to touch on before we uh, wrap this one up?
3: Well, I think you had some news you wanted to mention about TLC.
2: So TLC looks like he might be guaranteed the contract and this is via Kenny Smith, is that right? Keith, Keith Smith, Who Keith is- Smith? is usually
3: pretty good at the minor moves in the NBA. He doesn't usually break big moves. He'll break a lot of G League contracts, two-way contracts, and smaller deals like this. So I would I would consider this pretty credible, and I don't think it's a surprise for us because we've mentioned over the last couple weeks, you know, Justin Anderson had a shot to get that spot. He hasn't really played well. TLC looks like he can continue to grow, too, in that role. I'd like to see him on the roster.
2: Yeah, I would too. He's he's earned that spot on the roster. You know, he's proved that he can play capable NBA basketball when, when given the opportunity, when there's injuries. I think he's the perfect sort of 12th to 15th guy on the roster. And, you know, I've heard plenty of podcasts sort of speak about when it comes to those 12th to 15th guys, a lot of discussion happens within an organization and within other organizations in terms of how you value him. But I think that TLC has proven that he can play within this Brooklyn Nets team in an ancillary role. And, you know, he's been given, you know, defensive responsibilities that not many players in the NBA would be able to relish or have the confidence to necessarily do. You know, he's hitting the three ball with confidence at times as well. He's driving, he's aggressive. I think he just fits the Brooklyn Nets team uh, incredibly well. And I think he's going to earn that contract. And, you know, finally, you know, uh, and it's it's something that he thoroughly, thoroughly deserves.
3: And I don't think it's like, oh, TLC, like he's such a good player right now. He's not. He's, you know, inconsistent young player, which is pretty common for guys around him. But he's shown promise. And he's shown promise in a role that could really benefit the Nets moving forward with all the playmakers they have and getting back a guy like Kevin Durant. You touched on the three-point shot and the driving and also the defense. What more do you want from a role player?
2: Yeah, there's not much more you can ask for from a guy, you know, not necessarily doing you, when it comes to the role players. That's literally what three and D and a guy who can sort of drive and, and do the little things and, and some I hustle think,
3: plays and he's done that.
2: Yep. Yeah, and, uh, you know, you you can't ask for more in, in terms of the, the opportunity that he's been given. He's taken with both hands.
3: I really I'm really excited to see what the Nets coaching staff can do with him over an offseason. If they're able to retain him this offseason, obviously they're not going to have cap space, so it would make sense if he stayed on the team, especially cuz there is some room for improvement unless they can get some other veteran on a really cheap contract.
2: Yeah, the the development staff within the Brooklyn Nets organization have already got about a million ticks next to the name. If if you want to go through literally probably every player on this roster that hasn't, you know, has spent at least a year or two with them, you know, Carol DeVert, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie, Joe Harris, Jared Allen, all these guys... Uh, you know, the the lottery picks, that they're, they're sort of guys hanging around that late first round, and they've all sort of been turned into very capable, uh, above average, and very good NBA players in some respects. So, you know, TLC has already shown something for this team. And, you know, I think some time with the G League squad as well in Long Island will give him confidence. I'm sure he'll dominate when he heads back there uh, for certain occasions because now that this rotation is getting a little bit tighter, um, he's probably going to be forced to play down there. And I think that'll give him confidence too, as it has for Rodion's Courts.
3: It has, and uh, Nick Claxton was just down there. He had a very nice game, shooting some threes in there too. I think it just helps the Nets develop players, and it also, you know, long-term works on their trade value. I'm not saying TLC is some monster piece, but if he plays good minutes, you know, a team could have some slight interest because the Nets could make moves this offseason. We don't really know what's going to happen. We don't really expect a lot to happen in terms of this year around the trade deadline, but maybe in the offseason or maybe next season. But do you want to talk about the back-to-back we have upcoming?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's probably... We sort of touched on it a little bit, Nick. You know, I know some fans are incredibly confident after tonight's performance. You know, it's a game-by-game proposition, and I, I think it depends on what sort of Utah Jazz we see. The, the the Philadelphia 76ers have been incredibly inconsistent, but at their best, they are one of the best teams in the NBA. You know, we're not expecting, you know, world-beating performances, but, you know, hopefully a win or two, uh, maybe even three, who knows. Uh, but you just want to see... The momentum taken in and you know the, the same defensive communication, uh, the same offensive synergy, the ball moving and guys sort of just sticking to their role and doing what they need to do to help play winning basketball. And tonight was that, you know, we, no guy was necessarily asked to play above their skin. You know, Kyrie did his, you know, superstar things and Joe Harris, you know, did his solid things and Torian Prince hit his threes. DeAndre Jordan finished some oops and Caris Avert, you know, continued to uh, work his way back. So if we can continue to have that consistency you know uh, i think that we can certainly win one two maybe even three
3: yeah and i think you just really want to see competitive games down to the wire obviously you want to get wins too but you want to play these teams good and if you lose on a buzzer beater, a game winner or the last minute of the game or something like that you can live with it you just don't want to see any bad performances where they kind of just give you a letdown you just want to see the team continue to improve and i thought tonight like we mentioned a lot on the show was a nice building block for that still plenty of season left and still Plenty of progress to make, but the Nets are back in the seventh seed after the win.
2: Yep, and that's all that matters. We're, we're, we're hanging around, and might if we get a Miami or a Boston in that first round and we've got a healthy Kyrie Irving, then watch out.
3: Yeah, and uh, both those teams haven't looked cl- quite as amazing as they had earlier in the season, but Jack, as always a pleasure talking Nets with you, especially when it's a blowout like this. Big thanks, as always, to everyone listening, and you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, OGGBasketball.com, NetsRepublic.com,
1: and Blue Wire Pods.